And good morning to you on this beautiful Tuesday morning. Well, spiritually speaking, at least. This is Peter John. Glad to be here on Rogue Grace, as we call it. Don't you love that the Bible says in Romans chapter 4, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but out of debt. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. First of all, I like it that it says in Romans, now when a man works, not if a man works, dearest teenage young men, when (laughs) the wages you get for working at the construction company or for your summer job, those are not gifts, are they, men? They are out of debt. I am owed. And so if you're seeking to earn God's blessings through your work and effort, the things that he gives to you are out of debt. And God is a debtor, not to you, nor to me, and will never be. So go the other route. To the man who does not work, Romans says. Does that mean that I take the proverbial lazy boy with a bag of Doritos and say, praise God, he's going to now reward me for this? Nope. Well, not necessarily. It means that I'm not working for reward when I work, not if, but when I work as a father to my children, as a husband to my wife, and as a pastor to God's people. When I work, I do so with a pure heart, not doing so to see how well I can be established, applauded, and rewarded, but simply because I already am established, applauded, and rewarded through Jesus Christ. So, my friend, take it easy when it comes to reward and blessing. All of it is found in Jesus Christ and work hard when it comes to responding to that grace. I know you agree. We'll be right back. My heart is overjoyed. Kingdom has finally come. I see the face of my maker, the father, the son.
words by the Apostle John. He writes, If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. If you acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in you and you are in God. And we can rely on the love God has for us because God is love. We rely on his love, John writes. For God is love. It's not just a feeling he has or an emotion that he carries. He is love. Now, polls indicate the vast majority of Americans believe that. Most Americans, according to polls, believe that God is love. The question I have would be, so where do we get that from? How do we get that conclusion as Americans? Oh yes, God is love. From world religion? Is that something shared around the globe? No. Allah, the God of Islam, is not a father. He is not a friend like the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is portrayed as Eastern religion. God is not love. He's an impersonal force. 
How about ancient cultures? No. Their gods were terrifying. Their gods were appeased by blood sacrifices. You know that. How about in nature? Well, Charlie Darwin, he wrote, quote, The origin of species by means of natural selection for preservation of favored races in the struggle of life. So it's not in nature. It's favorite races in struggle of life. So where do we know that God is love? One place. We get that from the Bible. John writes, God is love. God loves us, we just read. And we rely on the love God has for us. Now, if you're kind of a a theologian or interested in grace and love of God, there is something that many refer to as common grace. It's actually a good term. It's that God gave his son because he loved you. That's common grace. He gave his son to the world for God so loved the world, right? That he gave his only begotten son. So God loves you. God loves me. God loves that person that gets under your skin. And he gave his son for that. And that is common grace. There's another phrase that I want to throw out your way. And that is, it's called particular grace. And it's sweet because if common grace says God gave his son because he loved you, which is true, particular grace means God loves you because he gave his son. His only begotten son. God gave him up. God released him into the Roman legacy, the legion. God saw him pinned to a cross because God loves you. And not only that, though, God loves you because he did that. He sees His son, it means that God absolutely loves you. So God loves you times two. He loves you times two. It's a double-double, we might say, at In-N-Out Burger, a double-double. God gave his son because he loved you. And now God loves you because he gave his son, his only begotten son. He gave him up. Therefore, God loves you. So you're loved times two. And we read in 1 John that this action of God giving his son was for our propitiation is the word. A propitiation is a substitutionary sacrifice. It's the trading of places in order to satisfy God's wrath. Satisfy God's wrath, we might wonder. We just read God is love. God is good. How can God have wrath, our culture might say? Because he can't overlook evil. But guess what? Believe it or not, That is my hope for the world, that God cannot overlook evil, that God cannot overlook when people have been trampled on, taken advantage of, when women have been abused and children have been abused, when when wrong has been done, 
God can't overlook that. Either when wrong has been done to you or wrong has been done by you, in either case, God cannot overlook that. To me, that's not a bummer. That is hope. Well, how can that be, Pete? If God can't overlook what I've done, that is a bummer. It is unless Jesus Christ becomes your propitiation, a substitution, a trading places to satisfy God's wrath. Without Christ, I'm in big trouble. I can't even live up to my own standards, not to mention the old covenant. Please don't tape record me day to day. And I won't do it to you either because it won't be pretty. And it says that Jesus is our propitiation in 1 John, in chapter 2. And that word propitiation is also translated in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 5, as the mercy seat. You know the mercy seat was the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. Literally, the lid of the coffin Arwan, A-R-W-O-N, the Ark of the Covenant, the coffin. An ark or a coffin that was two feet by two feet by four feet. And we should take good counsel from Indiana Jones, who closed his eyes when that coffin was opened. True story, not true story. Remember that? Everybody else melted? That's a pretty powerful analogy, though, I guess, of what the Bible says happened when people would look in the lid, when they lift up the lid. They melted. We read that in 1 Samuel. So put a lid on it. Don't go meddling any longer in your past. Jesus Christ is the lid. Put a lid on it and don't go meddling in other people's past either. Believe in God our Father, I believe.
was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came into his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I love that. In the text, the Apostle John writes, grace upon grace. And John writes in verse 17, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace upon grace. I like how the NIV translates that. We just read it. One blessing after another. That's what grace upon grace means. The fullness of his grace. We have received one grace upon another. Verse 16. Or as the NIV puts it, one blessing after another. That little preposition that's used in the original language, anti, anti, doesn't just mean instead of, but means in place of. So when it, I might say for our English language, when it says grace and then anti-grace, it doesn't mean that it's opposed to in this time, in this purpose. It means in place of. Why? He gives you grace and then replaces it with grace. <laughs> kind of like a good, uh, let me think, a 4th of July or a Thanksgiving meal. Blessing after blessing, right? 4,500 calories. It keeps on coming. Like the ocean waves until you say, I can't take it anymore. So think about Thanksgiving, right? Or 4th of July. A feast, right? Take as much as you can until you say, I can't take it anymore. That's what is grace upon grace. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, it says. I like how one translation puts it. He pitched a tent, moved into the neighborhood Abstract became concrete. It became vulnerable. It became killable. The message says that. That's what he did. It is grace and truth, which means grace based on truth. I love that. It's not grace based on feeling, not grace based on my point of view. It's grace based on truth. I like how Jesus demonstrated that with his apostle Peter there in John 21, when he said to Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know, I like you. <laughs> Three times that happened. And what did Jesus say? Then get lost. No then feed my sheep. Why? Because Peter recognized my love for you will never compare to your love for me. That is the great pastor, preacher, Christian, who begins to realize that. Let me put it to you like this, if I can use this illustration. What if you're thrown in prison for whatever reason, okay? And you got a buddy, a friend who bails you out and they pay $50,000 to bail you out. At first, that bailout is no doubt going to be a bit humiliating. You couldn't afford it. You got into the jam that caused it. 
right? At first, it's humiliating that they had to pay 50 grand. So that's maybe definitely there. But at the same time, you're given the tremendous reassurance that someone loved you that much to pay that money. In fact, the greater the number that they paid, the greater the gratitude you have because it shows how much they loved you. Get this. Jesus laid down his life, not just 50 grand, but infinite in value for me and for you. And yeah, it's a bit humbling to recognize because of my stupidity and your sinfulness. It can even be haunting to a certain degree, but then that is overwhelmed with tremendous confidence that Jesus, that God loved us. He loved you enough that much that he paid the complete and ultimate price. This should give you even that much greater of a gratitude to show how much God loves you. That's why grace and truth come by Jesus Christ. You know, it gets me in a good mood to talk about Jesus like this. If you're ever in a bad mood today, not that you would be, not that you would be, but if you ever are, share the gospel. It changes your attitude. There is beauty rising from these ashes. There is a new life in these tribes. There's a revival flowing like a fountain. There's a new song waiting to be sung. I'm getting out of this song because here's why not the, the message is awesome and I don't even mind it but I remember my kids were saying how much they hate this song so it's just haunting me I can't even listen to that song anymore if you have kids don't let them tell you their opinion on your music because it just throws you a curve so let's put this song by third day on instead here we go times have I turned away the number is the same as the sand on the shore but every time you've taken me back and now I pray you do it once more please take from me my life when I don't have the strength Take from me and my 
And so that's an old school song. I like it though. Reminds me. <laughs> that talk about an old school song. Um, I didn't even mean this old school song. I meant the old school song that was on before. So we'll play this old school song in a little bit. <laughs> We've got a lot of old school songs. I'm an old school guy. <laughs> oh, listen. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them the words of the Lord. The people responded together. Here we go. Ready? We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. I remember when about a month or two ago, we were heading into the new year. And I said to some of my friends, may this year your troubles be, may your troubles last as long as your resolutions. <laughs> because this resolution that the people of Israel made was a covenant that was broken even faster then a Hollywood couple would break theirs when they said, we will do all that you command. No, the, these people of Israel, they're at Mount Sinai as they were approaching that mountain in outside of Egypt. They didn't say we will do some of what you command. They didn't say, please cut us some slack because up to that point, notice this with me, will you? If you would. In the exodus that the people were making from Egypt to the land of promise, up to that point, God had blessed them, kept them, preserved them by his grace. At the Red Sea, when they were fearing for their lives, when they were thirsty, water from the rock, when they were hungry, manna coming down. In Deuteronomy 7, God says, I did this because I am good. I love you because I love you. And every time they complained up to this point, up to Mount Sinai, it was a demonstration of God's grace. They were under the covenant of Abraham, a covenant based on faith. But now instead of faith, they presumed upon their own obedience and said, God, we will keep your commandments. That's the blessing that they wanted. That's the result they were looking for, for God to bless them by their keeping his commandments. And you know what I learned from this little encounter never ask God for what you deserve <laughs> okay grace is getting what you don't deserve mercy is not getting what you do deserve never ask God for what you deserved so in short why was the law given to Israel? Because they asked for it. And just notice in this story now, you, you, you know the story. It's almost as though God's tone changes from traveling with them, providing for them water from the rock, bread from heaven, parting the Red Sea. All of a sudden now it's don't touch this mountain A different tone of voice. For 40 days, Moses was up on that mountain. Three thousand people would die. You know why? They had constructed a bull out of gold. A bull, B-U-L-L. -L. That's all it is, bull. And they're sacrificing to the bull. I mean, just think about the logic of that for a moment. That would be like offering bacon to a pig. Doesn't make much sense. 
And from that point on, 3,000 people died. And whenever they complained, there were fire, there were plagues. How is that working for you guys? They should have never exchanged covenants. They should have never demanded a new covenant, which was now what we call the old covenant. They should have remained under the covenant God made with Abraham. Remain under it, brother, sister. Don't get out of it. What is it about us? I was talking to somebody on Sunday. They, they were saying this. They were, I say this often. We know we get in by grace, but we move ahead by hard work. What is it in us that does that as Christians? It's almost inevitable. I get in by grace. I move ahead by hard work. Discipline, religion, blah, 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 blah. The reason I say blah, the reason I have so much contempt about it is because I tried it myself. And it stinks. Don't be a promise keeper. That's the old covenant. Be a promise believer. Not 40 days of promise. Pardon me. Pardon me. Not 40 days of purpose. 40 days of promise. And I might be getting under your skin a bit right now. That's happened to me in the past. Christians who say, you... I had one person who was actually a prominent person in the church I was pastoring at. And I was sitting down with her and her husband because they were concerned about the theology and what have you. And she was saying, if I have to hear about grace one more time, I'm going to, and she made that puking sign, you know, putting the finger in her mouth. And I know a lot of people like that. Maybe you feel like that. You know what? No hard feelings. Go ahead. Tune me out. Turn me off. That's fine. Because I'm going to keep on talking about grace. Not only me, but people like these guys who have been singing this for a long, long time. This is an old song. Flow. 
Oh, yeah, I was talking to Scott just now over that uh, as that powerful 70s tune or early 80s, whatever, was playing. He was saying, did that really happen? Did somebody really make a, a sign where they put their finger in their mouth that they said you talk about grace anymore? I said, yeah, it, I'm not making that up. I can't make that up. And, and this couple, I was telling him, they were a prominent couple in our church, and they stayed even though they, I said to them. And I understand if, if, you, if, you're, if, if I'm preaching a, a theology or a Bible perspective that doesn't seem to sit well with you, there's plenty of churches here in Orange County. And they stayed. In fact, they became really good friends of my family. They took care of my kids in beautiful ways. I think they just had to, it had to settle in and with the whole, I, cause you see, I, I, this grace thing hit me at one point to the point that I said to the Lord, I said to myself, as I was studying the scriptures and looking at the theology of it, I said, even if the church has to shrink to five, three, two people, Lord, this is my message because I believe this is the message of the Bible of Jesus, of the gospel. And so when I got that kind of meeting, it didn't surprise me. But then the church thrived after that, even though I didn't know what it was going to happen. I was preaching this grace message that I do up here in Applegate now, which I've gotten some of similar reactions, might I say. Maybe not the vomiting sign, but I've gotten a couple little comments from people and 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 I think almost every time at some point down the road they say I'm sorry I was wrong I heard it the wrong way it happened at least twice I heard it the wrong way and now that you keep preaching it it's sinking in <laughs> so I don't know for me it's preaching grace not because it's part of Christianity it is Christianity not because it tolerates sin, it overcomes sin. But in the meantime, it heals, brings peace, gets us out of ourselves. Oh, that's what we gotta, we gotta do, man. Christians are too into themselves, I believe. <laughs> Let's get outside of ourselves, and there's one way to do that: grace. By that I mean, oh, you can get outside of yourself through meditation. Eastern religion, drugs, and all kinds of stuff, but you can get outside of yourself and latch on to God through God's grace. See? So that's why I preach this message of grace. And I'm so thrilled to be a part of this church that preaches the Word of God. I mean, if you want a good uh, series on grace, check out my dad's commentary. Check out the book of Galatians. Just take that in. Right? Or listen to my brother speak about the plans, the purposes that God has for our lives. The hope that he gives. Or you can listen to Rogue <laughs> Grace if you want. It doesn't mean that we diminish sin. It means that I just know human nature. And I don't care who you are. You're not as good as you think. And neither am I. But here's the thing. Jesus Christ is better than you think. And same with me. Let's keep on thinking about him. Looking to him. Friday, if you want, we're going to have... The phone line's open. We call it Free for All Friday. I'm looking forward to taking your comments. Maybe you think, Pete, what you're saying is a little mm, absurd. Good. Let's talk on Friday. Or maybe you have questions. Maybe you have comments. Maybe you have thoughts. Open line Friday, as one guy calls it. Free for All Friday is what I'm going to call it. Looking forward to that. Also... I just was able to start a new blog, a new website called Peter John Corson. It wasn't my idea, but I'm thankful for it. 
So my mom, <laughs> it was her idea. And the ladies worked diligently and hard on it. You can find there, Rogue Grace, you can find there um, my message from last Sunday. You can find there um, a blog that I am writing on, um, different thoughts about the gospel from the Bible on God's grace. So there you have it. It's called PeterJohnCorson.com. Pretty phenomenal name, right? Not so much, not so original, but it's PeterJohnCorson.com. So if you want to follow along, you're more than welcome to. And uh, check out what I wrote the other day if you want. Now, there's probably going to be an even higher demand for this, johncorson.com. You can check that out. Because you see, he's got Bible teachings lasting over, I don't know, three decades. Pretty good stuff. Plus, he writes his devotionals on there. So I highly recommend that. Or you can check out my brother just came out with a very, I put that on my Facebook page, very incur, just a beautiful thing for his, um, his wonderful ministry, his, his, his blessed message of hope. It really is. If you think you're down, you're out, you're discounted, check this out. Ben Corson. He said it last night. It was it was funny. He said it, it's a perfect fit because it's like Ben Corson. What is it? Loser? Something like that. Not that I think that's a perfect fit. Well, not really. No, just kidding. Um, but anyways, it's great. And uh, you can check out the new blog that I have, the new website that Ben has for his YouTube, uh, the blog that's been around and I don't know how many millions of hits have hit it of John Corson. Some good stuff in case you're just, you know, have some time off or looking to get into God's word. There's some stuff for you right there. Thank you for tuning in to today's edition of Rogue Grace. I'm grateful that we have to take no thought for tomorrow that today is the day of God's salvation. Today, all of human history has come up to day, to this point. So enjoy God's grace. Walk in God's ways. And be ye blessed. Peter John, God bless.